Hey listeners, and welcome back to another episode of My Streaming Bubble. You know, that podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today I'm tolerating Laura once again, so we can continue our chat on Mr. Robot, this time trying our best to stick to season two. Hi, Laura. So good at that. We're so good at that. That's really our thing. Should be on our resume. We can definitely stick to one subject at a time. <laughs> totally. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> so, well, the keyword is can. It doesn't mean we will. True. We have the ability. We just choose not to because that is the power of free will. Mm-hmm. And short attention spans. Yes. And drinking while recording. Also, yes. Yes. I got a nice full glass of wine because I uh, finished off the last of the wine bladder out of the box I was drinking the other weekend. Awesome. Box yeah. wine for the win. Hell yeah. It's really good too. It's like the Nighthawk Sauvignon Blanc. I mentioned it in a prior previous recording and uh, I know it's red wine season, but this is really good. It's light and crisp and I can drink almost a whole box of it in a night. Not that I should ever do that again, but I can. Was that a humble brag? <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. <laughs> All right. I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I can almost drink a whole box of wine in a night. Woo. There we go. <laughs> it's like we're in our 20s again. Oh, God. Now, except I hurt for way more than just the next day. No, don't admit that. I'm sorry. I was fine. I was fine. Totally fine by Tuesday. Monday, Sunday. <laughs> what day did I drink? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. There we go. So we're going to start with season two, Mr. Robot, and we'll go ahead and start with some of the major twists because I need to, they're, they're, they're pretty big twists, I think. The first time watching it, I was just like blown away, like, whoa, oh my God. So one, <laughs> we, see, we find out that um, even though we spend the first half of the, half of the episode following Ella, Elliot, Jesus, even though we spend the first half of the season with Elliot and his very strict routine of staying at his mom's house, we find out about halfway through that that whole time he's in jail. He had been arrested for hacking Krista, his therapist's, uh, her ex-boyfriend's computer and stealing his dog because that guy was just continues to be a giant piece of shit. Yeah, he totally deserved it, but whatever. Yeah. So there's that big twist so maybe let's start with like the first half of the season because i kind of feel like the season was broken up into two parts we got the first half of this illusion of elliot living a free but very strict life and lifestyle and then the second half where he's more or less confronted with the whole dark army and phase two and what's all going on with that right so it almost in in some way felt like two mini seasons in one season that's a good way of putting it and and not that I mean, it was a bad thing but no it you know if you know I binged the show so I didn't watch it as it released but maybe that was like a mid-season finale thing for all I know mm. but like, this season was good all the seasons are good but this was the hardest one for me and I got to commend you for actually going back and rewatching it and, you know, committing to that because it had to be infinitely harder when you knew what was coming because knowing those twists would really take the steam out of it for me a bit. It, I mean, it definitely did a little bit, you know, like we had talked about kind of previous with rewatching the show is 
first time you're watching it, you're taking that journey with Elliot. You're his, his invisible friend. We clearly know just, just as much, if not less than what Elliot knows, maybe a little more, but we, we take that journey with Elliot. We've experienced those twists and everything with him as he's finding them out. So going back and doing the rewatch and knowing how everything plays out, it's like, like you said, you're not taking that journey with him anymore. We are no longer that silent observer. And then, yeah, knowing how everything all plays out, I can't help but be like, so in the first half of the season, you know, he's talking to like Craig Robinson's character, Ray, and, you know, he's going out to lunch with Leon and you see him walking down the street and everything. Second time you watch it, knowing that he's been in jail that whole time, you kind of start looking for those clues. So it takes you out of the dialogue and the moment of the scene in that sense, for me anyways. Mm -hmm. So there's, yeah, as he's walking down the street, I'm like, is there any clues in the background that would indicate that he's in jail or something? And there weren't that I picked up on a lot of like glaringly obvious ones, but certain things that I just kind of saw differently. And it, and it was, it was kind of hard to get it, get through. It took me like three weeks to get through the second season. <laughs> That's okay though. Oh, I, I thought the uh, prison references were pretty subtle from everything that I remember. And I definitely loved the characters of Ray and Leon, especially Leon. I love Leon. He's awesome. He is but, the best. Um, it was actually kind of a relief for me with the whole prison thing because I'm like, why on earth would he be back at his mom's house when everything everything we've seen about his past with her is abusive and horrible, mm -hmm. you know, and, and all that. So it just never really made sense to me. Like, was he that scared of himself that, that he was he was willing to put himself through that instead? But then the battles he was having with Mr. Robot were intense <laughs> yeah. if you had to give it a one word description i think the thing that season two did you know looking at the series holistically is that it really showcased the power of elliot's imagination like he built himself a whole nother world within the world he was in which totally and i i completely agree because then that kind of goes along with his like journal entries and the illusion of control and who is actually in control him or mr robot and the power of his illusions to maintain control is pretty spectacular. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> like Sherlock oh has God. a mind palace, right? <laughs> what, is, what, do you call it, what do you call what he has? Because that is some next level shit. That is some next level shit. That just mind magic. I don't, I don't know what else to call it, but it was going back and rewatching those first seven episodes. Cause I think it's around episode, I think it's episode seven that it's revealed that he was actually in jail and everything. I would say at least the first half, if not the whole season is still worth a rewatch, but trying to pick up on those little things. So when mm -hmm. we first see him at his mom's house, cause yeah, I had the same thought, like, why is he, you know, yeah, he had that strained relationship with his mom. She was like abusive and everything. Was that really what he felt like his only option was, was to move there to try and control everything. But then she was so hands off. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't, she didn't interact with him, you know, other than the closing of the bedroom door, which it was interesting that the bedroom door slid open and closed. I was like, okay, so he's in a room with a sliding door, something you'd see off like a main room, living room, like a den or something. Mm -hmm. And the second time I watched it, you do hear the sound of like 
a prison cell kind of just underneath the sound of like a door closing kind of added in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to jot down the moments where I was like, oh, is this an Easter egg? Is this an Easter egg? Well, the blinking dark. light in the dining room, that was the big one for me. I'm like, that's weird. That is weird. And then whenever he would have a visitor, it was always just in that dining room. And mm-hmm. all his visitors, Gideon, Darlene, Angela, at one point, they'd all kind of turn around and just look back at Elliot's mom as she's sitting there watching the TV. And you don't really think anything of it until you realize they're just looking back and Oh, that's the guard and the guards over there, not really paying yeah. attention. So we're going to be a little bit more secretive right now. And yeah, it was first time going through. It was quite the mind fuck, had quite the mind blown moment, but I thought it was done really well, you know? And then, yeah, Leon is the best. Oh man. I love him. I'd love to have him on the podcast and let him just go off about like nineties TV sitcoms. <laughs> It would be a fantastic podcast. I mean, I do a lot of talking and I don't think I'd get a word in edgewise. And that's fine. Nope. <laughs> I'm sure people get tired of hearing me, blah, 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 blah. But that would be, <laughs> that was almost <laughs> convincing, Laura. But he's in prison. We find out later that he's in prison, but he's got this strict routine and then yeah his interactions with mr robot kind of popping in and out just being like come on you gotta let go of this whole routine and stop being so strict with it or whatever and kind of going back it's like well what the fuck other options does he have right i mean i think it was a a good idea i don't think it worked as he intended it to Mm -mm. but it was a good idea like Put yourself in the ultimate controlled environment in order to get more control over yourself. But then he started losing control. And mm-hmm. then that scene where Mr. Robot shoots Elliot in the head. Oh man, that just blew my mind. And pun intended. It's like at this point, we know Mr. Robot is just an aspect of his personality. Mm-hmm. So, like, when that happened, I was like, oh, does he actually have the ability to kill himself like that? Like, if he believes that he's killed himself in this way, does he die? And then he didn't die. And I'm like, oh, man, what did that feel like? What did healing from that feel like? And I'm just, like, totally in the moment of this scene. I was just like, wow, there's a hole in his brain, metaphorically speaking. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, and I, think you're, and I think you're actually absolutely right. I think it was just a matter of, Mr. Robot, I think, says, like, how many more times do we have to do this? How many more times do I have to shoot you in the head? So clearly they've done this whole, that whole song and dance a few times. Well, yeah, then Elliot writes, he shot me in the head again. Again, yeah, like, that's where we got it. How many times do you do this? And I feel like that was, that's Mr. Robot trying to chip away at Elliot to gain that control. So yeah. in a sense, he may not physically die, but personality psyche wise maybe that he could I guess retreat into his own mind and however I don't know but I mean I don't know how DID works but it seems like it was that all that alternate personality trying to take control of the host's body and I guess since the alternate personality is essentially a piece of the host kind of knowing how to chip away at that and and get to their insecurities to try and take over yeah it's like one of those you are your own worst enemy scenarios and I think that it was kind of a foregone conclusion that this experiment of his wasn't going to work because 
Mr. Robot was continually able to shoot him in the head. Yeah. Like, like, and actually damage him. Like, you'd think if, if there was a shift in that balance of power control or whatever, that Mr. Robot might shoot Elliot in the head and the bullet just bounces off like he's some bulletproof superhero, right? Mm-hmm. But no, that, that never happened. So I'm like, I think that was the first real indication that he's really trying and he's putting up with a lot from himself, but this isn't going to work. Yeah. Because then he also would just imagine himself bleeding all of a sudden from the, mm-hmm. from the gunshot wound. So their, their relationship is difficult. And, you know, after we, after we find out more about Mr. Robot and how he came to be in later seasons, it makes me wonder if it's always going to be like that for Elliot between Mr. Robot and himself because of the underlying cause of that relationship and what mm-hmm. the power dynamic was there. So, you know, it's like his imperfect but still damaged solution to other problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else in that first half? Oh, yeah. The Ray himself. Oh, Ray. Yeah. I love that actor, by the way. Craig Robinson. Craig. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's something about him, you know? Like, it doesn't matter if he's playing a good guy or a bad guy or what. Like, just, he's so endearing. Like, you can't help but like him. He's endearing. He's, like, charismatic. Yeah. And even still charming in this role. I don't know that I've seen him in a, in a lot of, like, dramatic shows or movies. No, this has got to be one of the more dramatic roles he's ever had as at least in my experience of him as an actor yeah because there's usually a touch more comedy involved in in what he does Mm -hmm. because he's very good at it Mm -hmm. but yeah I don't know I'm like damn I want to be his friend (laughs) no shit (laughs) I mean up until a point but he was yeah initially anyway because he had the dog he's trying to get people with the that's he had the dog and he had that really just nice calm friendly demeanor and you know he put he put up with Elliot being standoffish and Elliot like so you know no totally he's he was amazing and yeah and the writing is so good in this show overall and they gave Mm -hmm. him some really great monologues and you just can't help but just fall into it and, and that whole like, story wow. about his wife and you know you felt really bad for him and they mm-hmm. set that up perfectly they really did mm-hmm. like they wanted you to feel for this guy in every way possible and you do like it's impossible not to well even when we first see that darker side of ray when he's talking to our team their original it guy that poor guy that poor fucking guy but when we first see I'm him, assuming they called him RT as like some sort of reference to being a rat, by the way. Oh, I wasn't sure because I was like, RT as a name, initial name, is not super common. No, you know, it's not like, like an AJ or a TJ or a CJ or a BJ. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we had to put that one in there. Didn't we? <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> You're not sorry. But all I could think was retweet. <laughs> I was like, oh, his name's retweet. You don't spend time on Twitter at I all. I need to remove that dumb fucking app off my phone, but that's never going to happen. I can't do it. But yes. So his moment when we first see Ray with retweet and 
it kind of slowly starts panning around and you see RT's face is all beat up and everything. And Ray's like apologetic. He's like, I'm really sorry this happened to you. You know, that whole scene where it's like, he seems so concerned and caring and then kind of mm -hmm. ending it with like, don't make us do it again or what, you know, like, and then you're like, very threatening. yeah. He, and then he comes back with another semi endearing quality when he's talking to his guard guy or whoever that I didn't catch his name, but the other who, who is a guard at the, at the prison, yeah. but he was the one that was like with Ray and in on all of Ray's shadiness and everything, but they're mm -hmm. sitting in the van and that guy's like, Oh, do you want me to beat him up some more? And Ray's just like, he can't know what he doesn't know. We have to, you know, basically like, what's the fucking point of that? You already kicked the shit out of him once. He's not going to fix, he still doesn't know how to fix any of this. Yeah. I mean, at least he knows when to stop. Yeah. I guess that's it. I guess that's not such a compassionate, endearing quality. It's just someone who knows limits and understands limits. Yeah. But that's the thing. He really aired when it came to Elliot, like, yeah, they knew Elliot was capable. They needed him, but he should have known Elliot was going to do something about it. I mean, Elliot's got a reputation for that. I mean, he kind of did. I mean, in that last scene with those two, after Ray and his guard beats the shit, you know, and his goons beat the shit out of Elliot and then throw him down in that basement, the hole. So I assume that was the whole hole. <laughs> right. Of prison. Um <laughs> I just need a second. <laughs> you bring out the dirty in me. That still sounds wrong. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> this is what happens when it's like we've spent too much time apart from each other. It all just kind of builds up and just spews out and I can't control it. It's great. I, I'm enabling <laughs> you without doing anything right now. Just being here. Just being. Just being on the zoom call that's all it is that's my force of personality dear listeners there you go yep <laughs> but you know you got a point um maybe ray wanted to pay for what he's done because it went farther than he was originally comfortable with and there was nothing he could do about it like a runaway train type thing he's like mm -hmm. well i just gotta keep going now um you know, clearly others that he was working with or were working with him or benefiting from what he does were not of the same mindset, but Leon was there to save the day with, with all that. Oh man, I still remember that scene with Leon stabbing all them. Like I just watched it, especially the one that was right between the butt cheeks. I was yep. like, oh damn, I've never seen that on TV before. <laughs> that was an amazing scene where Elliot's seen walking down an alley because it still hasn't been revealed that he's still in prison. Mm -hmm. But you start, that's when everything I think starts crumbling or you, we start kind of getting more little bits of that because right. yeah, Leon comes in, saves Elliot from a bunch of, I don't know, fucking Nazis or whatever that were all tied up in Ray's shady ass dark web Bitcoin website. And yeah, Leon comes in, saves the day, kills them all, stabs a dude in the butt, and then makes the comment about wait for the letter or the letter's coming or something. And he starts dropping all these little hints that he's not just some guy that's in jail with him. Talking about Seinfeld. <laughs> talking about Seinfeld, talking about mad about you. Yeah, he says something about a letter 
and white rose. So, and then I started wondering like, okay, was, was Leon already like in jail, like already working for like a dark army freelancer or whatever, someone already working for dark army that happened to be in jail. So they're like, you need to keep an eye on this guy. You need to keep an eye on Elliot and help him out. Or once they had found out Elliot had gone to jail, did they find a way to get Leon in there? I totally think they put him in there because he just seems to be wherever they need him to be. Yeah. That's a lot of pull to just get a person in jail. I suppose, but does though. that really shock you knowing what we know about White Rose? I no, mean- not at all. But yeah, it was definitely something I kind of questioned a little bit the second time around was like, so was he maybe already a dark army lackey who happened to go to jail and they were like, watch out for Elliot or were they legit just like, nope, you got to go to jail. Keep an eye on, on this guy. I could see it being the latter. Yeah, I think it is too. It just, just given every other time he shows up later on, it just seems like that's how it works with him. Mm-hmm. But I think he actually likes Elliot. I do too. And I think, and I am glad that we do, that he does pop up in the later seasons, in the last two seasons. And I think even the first time watching like season three, I don't remember when he, when or where or how he pops up, but when he does, I was just like, yes, Leon, again. <laughs> so excited pumping my right? arm in the air Woo-hoo! but you don't really realize how scary of a duty is until that alley fight yeah um, and not that it was actually an alley but you know uh it's just like whoa 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 i just thought he was you know a little bit quirky yeah um but otherwise cool this is this is something else yeah uh, yeah and then, then every time you see him after that, you remember that scene and you're just like, oh, wait, should we be scared of him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never got the sense of ever fearing Leon. Maybe that's because of how he's first introduced as just someone kind of, yeah, quirky and lovable and chatty. And, and it did kind of make you wonder why all of a sudden, you know, in 2017, when this came out, the season two somewhere around there why he's just now getting to Seinfeld it, it's a thought that doesn't linger but you know a show that old you're just kind of like oh it's 2016 there's so much better stuff to watch <laughs> not to shit on Seinfeld but like huh there's a real big fan base for Seinfeld still there is and side note I was talking to a patron at the library who had checked out one of the seasons of Seinfeld and returned it early and she's like yeah no one in my family wanted to watch it with me I was like what (laughs) because you know sometimes I can't control myself (laughs) and I was like what she's like yeah and I was like I'd have watched it with you and then internally like stop talking (laughs) shut the fuck up don't get weird don't get weird and then I stopped talking and then it got weird just kidding no it probably did (laughs) it likely did yeah when you just stop talking randomly mid-sentence it tends to get a little awkward yeah (laughs) that's never happened before no uh back to the back to elliot and mr robot during being in prison real quick because one of elliot's attempts uh of trying to get rid of mr robot is having Leon hook him up with a giant baggie of Adderalls. And he gets up to 200 milligrams of Addies a day. 
I don't understand how oh. he can sustain that. That's going to just destroy your heart. I don't know, but I I did like that whole kind of scene in bit and the progression of with him first taking the pills and taking a bunch of them right away, you know, just and eyeballing. And it felt great. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then he throws them all up because I think Mr. Robot had something to do with that to get into his mind or whatever part of the OD hallucination or whatever, what have you. But right. Elliot throws everything all up, throws up all the Addies. And then we see Mr. Robot standing there with like the shovel and the top hat, which was part of the illusion or OD dream that Elliot had. Oh, yeah, didn't he dream like they were pouring cement down his throat or yes, something? Yes, that's what it was. And that was just like, that was a total mind fuck because you're mm-hmm. like, is this really happening? Holy shit, what a way to go. Yep. And then he pukes it all up and Mr. Robot's like, yeah, ha ha, got you. The desperation in Elliot to dig through his vomit and pick out the undigested pills and re-eat them was hard to watch and I think will always be hard to watch because even the look on Mr. Robot's face as Elliot (laughs) doing all that he's just like oh fuck that's you nasty (laughs) (laughs) so that's Elliot judging himself so even he absolutely but yeah uh the whole Adderall thing like I have been on that for attention span purposes. <laughs> Shocking, right? And I'm just like, oh my God, that's way too much. I've never been prescribed Adderall, but 200 milligrams is a lot. A day per day? I was just like, how does he still have any of that bag left? <laughs> I mean, how is he still alive? How is he still that's alive? my question. So and I, there's only so much you can take. Well, and I liked what I, one of the things I loved about kind of that whole crescendo and decrescendo, I don't think I used any of those words right, but what I liked about sure. that whole Adderall scene, he's like, yeah, I haven't slept in like 48 hours and I'm feeling great and everything kind of sounds good, you know, like things seem to be doing okay, you know. He's very positive. But then he at one point has his Jesse Spano on pills moment where he's like, I found God. And yeah, yeah, praise God. Woo! And just like all excitable and everything. He legit reminded me of Jesse Spano when they were doing their rehearsal from Say by the Bell doing their rehearsal at the Max. And she's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to be great. We're going to rock it. And then, you know, she crashes mm-hmm. in that next scene, which kind of in a sense reminded um was like uh when he when Elliot crashes during the the group the church meeting and he just he's coming down he's like detoxing and he just rips into the little church lady oh I gotta admit for personal reasons of course that that was one of my favorite scenes of the season he has one of the best lines I mean that whole little monologue that he goes on he has some is best great. monologues. He does. The writing in this show is fucking phenomenal. And in 2020, so still so relevant. I mean, it was only four years ago, but... Still, that's the thing that gets me. You know, how quickly things change these days. That show, is my, that show might just be timeless. Like, we might, might be studying... I'm serious. We might be studying that in all sorts of different classes, you know, at universities or whatever in the future. I would not doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it either because he makes a lot of really good points. And then 
even in, and I don't remember if we talked about it during season one recording, but the way they kind of cut into some of the montages of showing actual current events or current events at the time, or just actual footage of real life. Yeah. And, which only like makes it hit even harder. Yeah. Fuck. But one of his, one of the, my favorite line during his anti-religion rant is if I don't listen to my imaginary friend, why the fuck am I going to listen to yours? Oh yeah. I loved that. And I, I wrote, loved that. And I just wrote hot damn. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my personal reasons for loving that scene was because I kind of got myself kicked out of church as a little kid for a similar type rant though, you know, obviously taken down to the level of a five-year-old. Oh, but I'm so surprised. A smart one, but you know, <laughs> the smartest one, you know. <laughs> no, probably not. But um, I definitely was not tactful about it. But I kind of did the same thing. I went on this rant where I was questioning every stupid thing that they said. Like, you're only given as much as you can handle, or you know, uh, this is just proof of God's love and all. I'm like, this is bullshit, and here's why. And I'm just like, oh, they're doing this on TV. I love it. I mm-hmm. did this. I did this. Like I did a five-year-old's version of this, but I did this. <laughs> You're like, this is poo-poo. <laughs> this is dirty Oh, no, face. no, no, no. No, no, I had a sailor's vocabulary at the age of four. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I, used, I used the good words. You used or all the, the good not, ones. Not so good words, depending on your perspective. You used words. They're all mm-hmm. just words. They're all just words. It's not my fault that they think they're upsetting. I find them colorful. Yeah. We always try and tell it's it's hard, but always try and I always try and convey to the kids that, you know, these aren't bad words. They're just words that some people don't like. And they especially don't like hearing it from small kids. Exactly. I've had similar conversations. Like these words are bad to say in certain situations, but they're just words. They're just words. And they're just not appropriate for young kids to really say, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. I've, you know, and I've told the kids, I'm like, when you guys are older, I can't stop you from saying it and, and doing some of these other things, but I just have to well, make sure that I've done my part so that you know, kind of when it's, a, when it's appropriate, when it's not. I, I try to refrain from saying it, they're bad words or it's bad to do. I just want them to know, to understand that some people think they're bad, but generally speaking, they're inappropriate for children to say. Right. And with, with Felix, my youngest son, he's, uh, I don't know, he's, I guess the apple didn't fall far from the tree because he's all about skirting the rules. He loves fricking right now. He knows he can't say the, the full thing. So he's all about fricking. I'm like, no, you mm-hmm. can't say that either. But oh, he loves it. And he uses it about as colorfully as you would expect. The kids are especially Lee and the, our youngest um, is really into just going beep and like, what the beep Mm. Uh, nice that's a it's a slope (laughs) not a super slippery one but it's a gradual one right so but then are you curious which one beeping out kind of yeah i am but i don't want to ask because then they'll be like especially if they get giggly then it's like oh i you mm, you are thinking of the naughty word you're giggling (laughs) it's like oh what's the beep supposed to mean All right, stop. Go to bed. <laughs> Turn uh, off kids. Gordon Ramsay. You're going to bed. 
Well, there's a great role model. Yeah. But actually when he's talking to kids, he's really nice. He's the nicest. I side note. Um, we were watching kitchen nightmares. (laughs) Of course. Of course. And it's an older episode, but Lee started freaking out a little bit, not majorly in any way. Freaking out's not the right term, but he was just like, Oh my God, mom. I was like, what? He's like, they're not wearing a mask or social distancing. Oh, like, oh, oh no. This has become normal, hasn't it? Yeah. And I was, you know, so we we're just like, no, oh, buddy, it was, this was recorded before coronavirus. So it's okay. And then just try to shift the conversation to be like, it's freaking weird <laughs> to see, to watch TV now, like in the midst of a pandemic and seeing all these shows and movies or what, you know, everything prior yeah. to it. And then just getting that anxiety of like, why are you hugging? You shared the same spoon. What are you doing? <laughs> oh man, I kind of need to rewatch some older cooking shows now just to, you know, oh, it might be nostalgic at this point. <laughs> ah, yeah. But there's, there's times too, where I'm just like, oh, that's too many people. Oh, this was made in the nineties. It's fine. I feel like I, I feel like there's a lot more I could say about Elliot's time in prison and that whole first half and the illusion that he created for himself. I think there's a lot there that we could spend a lot of time dissecting, but we should get on to the second half of the season and the rest of the characters in this show. So <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll come back to Elliot and Mr. Robot, but let's see. Let's go Darlene. Yeah, this is Darlene's I'm trying to step into Elliot's shoes season, isn't it? It is. She's trying to fulfill the leadership role for F Society, which has now grown since the hack. And they've got a bunch of lackeys and people that are all about it. But yeah, and at first she seems to be doing all right with that. Like that little stunt she pulls with asking the E Corp executives for money and then getting the CTO to, to bring it out and all that. And then she just lights it on fire. Yeah. I mean, that was. That was awesome. That was, I mean, that's, that's a nice power move. That's a nice, like, fuck you, gotcha kind of move. And I loved it. And that was definitely one of her, quite possibly her only successful venture in season two. Which is sad. Cause you know, that scene, I was like, wow, okay, maybe she's all right. Yeah. Maybe she can do this. And then, then you just see that. Nope. This is all too much for her. Mm-hmm. She's kind of crumbling. And we do see her have, she has a moment in the bathroom having a panic attack um, with, while the other, the other members of F Society, like not, not the original F Society. So not Mobley, Trenton, or Ruben, but all these other folks that subscribe to that newsletter and had signed up to be a part of this rogue hacker group. They're like celebrating because they just cut the balls off the Wall Street bull. Right, you know that's pretty dope. So (laughs) it is funny, yeah. So she has that small kind of like anxiety, panic attack in the bathroom before she comes out and starts yelling at everyone. Well, not everyone, but starts being like, "Stop!" And she's trying. She's trying to fulfill the next steps, like you said, fulfill Elliot's role. But she's struggling, and nothing seems to be panning out quite the way she wants it. Well, yeah, and I think part of it. Elliot didn't really remember what 
his next plan was so how could she know what it was because right. what did she have to go off of but was this was this the season where they made a new base at that one executive's apartment okay i have to admit yes, the lawyer she's the yep she was the lawyer for e-corp yep yeah i have to admit that how they drove her out of her apartment was hilarious but also really scary if you think about it because we all have these voice controlled everything uh you know and i'm i'm like nope that's too much of a good thing you shouldn't do that because i love voice control it's great for you know disabled people who can't type or or what have you, or as a means mm -hmm. of communication. But, okay, I can hear my son in the basement going, hey, look, so play me this song. And I'm just like, I hate that. I hate it yeah. so much. And seeing that 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 opening scene with them where they're just messing with all of her stuff, like this, I think the worst one for me, like vicariously experiencing the discomfort was, was the shower. Going mm -hmm. cold, oh, that would drive me insane. And I was oh, just God, like, yeah. wow, how, that's what we're setting ourselves up for. Hackers could mm -hmm. mess with our whole houses and nobody cares. Yeah. I, I mean, we've got a Google Nest that we have in the living room, which has been great. And at the same, it's terrifyingly convenient and fun. And I've also noticed that after we got it pre-pandemic, went down to visit my aunt. <laughs> My kids were like, hey, Google. We're like, no, we're in Iowa. We didn't bring Google with us. She doesn't have an Alexa or an Echo. They were just like, hey, Google. Oh, yeah. I was like, shit. But no, I agree. It's very convenient and scary. And at first, you're kind of it's like, oh, no, her house is haunted by F Society. Hee <laughs> hee. But when she's on like the phone to the company customer service and they can't figure out what the problem is and they can't shut anything off, I was like, bitch, you don't have a breaker you can flip? I know. There what had the to be fuck? a There's breaker. <laughs> or I don't know, unplug it. <laughs> well, and they, I think they suggested that to her too, but everything was wired within the wall. So there wasn't like anything she could truly unplug. That's why I was like, there's a basement with a breaker. 20 bucks says it. No, Flip them she, all. she just leaves and goes to another house of hers. And I'm just like, Ugh. I'm just like, bitch, you are too rich for your own good. You don't even know how to do normal solutions anymore. No shit. But yeah, so I did like how they scared her. And so we find out that <laughs> she is the lawyer for E Corp. And we also find out that Darlene's kind of had her eye on, on this woman since she was four years old since Darlene yeah. was four years old I mean at first it seemed like a random target and then then you realize wait they needed her specific credentials for something so that was mm -hmm. that was how that they justified that and you know at first you totally buy into that but then Darlene's yeah. ulterior motives come in and oh oh I don't know the, this whole thing just really messed with me in terms of of Darlene's character I'm just like mm -hmm. oh god I've you know Elliot's going downhill so is Darlene if this is where Darlene's ending up what's going to happen with Elliot right mm -hmm. yeah this was in in terms of like Darlene's storyline this was kind of a hard season because yeah she she tried to fill in as the role of the leader of the F society and she struggled greatly with that and then she you know they they hijacked the lawyer lady's house and darlene inevitably kills the lady 
taser to Shocks the heart. Her. Ta- taser to the heart. Well, to the pacemaker. They, to the pacemaker, yeah, because yeah, she's got a weak heart. Another thing I thought was kind of funny and didn't really seem to fit well was once the lawyer lady came home and they tied her up down by the pool area before Darlene tasered her they're like we've got about an hour or whatever to own her so you've got like four hackers wait yep. there was Mobley Trenton yep Darlene and Cisco right four hackers trying to find dirt to own this woman right and they couldn't like that's a lot of clickety clacking for four experienced hackers to only to stumble upon a post-it note right and also she's a lawyer have you ever heard of a properly squeaky clean lawyer i haven't no i mean don't get me wrong if there's such a thing and you exist that's awesome i've just never heard of that especially in terms of tv like i've Mm -hmm. never never seen the lawyer of virtue and the only time we do is like harvey dent before he becomes two-faced right right (laughs) so we see how realistic that was even in right (laughs) (laughs) so it only lasts for so long (laughs) and considering she works for e-corp is it really that likely that she's squeaky clean no but she probably knows a lot about protecting herself yeah enough but still i just that part (laughs) was a little hard especially on the second time around was like you guys are right major hackers right like supposedly major hackers you're all in the same world bubble as the dark army which is a notorious hacker ring mm-hmm. and it's like would they really have anything to do with you people if y'all sucked at hacking because right now you kind of look like like you're just all i could see was all it looked like to me was I guess, yeah, hacking into emails and checking the emails. It didn't look like anything beyond what anyone really could do if they could were smart enough to guess the right pass, passwords or anything. Okay, so let, let's talk about that for a minute. I think you're right. Considering they knew enough about her to know that they needed her credentials and they knew how to you know get her apartment, they should have been more prepared than that. But if you're a hacker and you don't have anything to go off of and you only have an hour it is entirely realistic that they don't find anything okay hacking normally takes a lot of prep time that you don't see or that you shouldn't see like you're supposed to hide it well in terms of reconnaissance for a company a person a a profile a role a a set of credentials, whatever. In order to get all of that stuff, you need to find it first. You need to verify it first and you need to establish a way to use it without getting caught. And that prep work can take, yeah, sometimes it could take minutes, but most of the time it takes hours or days or even weeks before you're ready to to launch the actual attack. It's the attack itself that takes, you know, moments, comparatively speaking. But one little thing that changes through your reconnaissance phase could totally wipe out all your work and make you start over. And it's possible that that happened to them as well. I don't know. So the fact that they didn't find anything in an hour was not unrealistic from, you know, what a normal hacking type experience is. But considering all the prep work they had done to get to this point, it was a little surprising still. That's some good insight. Thank you, hacker woman. (laughs) <laughs> no, problem. no, but seriously, I, I mean, those are a lot of good points. I don't know. I, I don't know shit about hacking. I can see cap someone. That's about it. <laughs> my hacking abilities. I type fast and my kids are like, mom, are you hacking? Like, no, I can just type about 
40, 50 words a minute. Y'all don't know what that means because you don't have to take a typing class because that's not necessarily a requirement. Like typing quickly. Right. Counting, tracking your words per minute. I'm so glad I don't do that anymore. <laughs> typing classes or yeah. typing? <laughs> I, yeah, I fail those. No, your fingers are not in the correct position. No, you're supposed to use your pinky to touch these keys. I'm not going to do that. I watched a teenager at the, the store today ring up my stuff, and he was two-fingering the keyboard. So mm. pointer finger on each hand, and I'm like, well, I feel a little better about myself now. <laughs> so going back to Darlene and her kind of fall, I guess, in this season, because they've got the, at one point, one of her F Society lackeys that she, quote, promoted he was the guy that she yelled at in one of the earlier episodes about taking pictures with the bulls, bronze balls. Say that three times fast. Nope. Can't even say it once slowly. Um, <laughs> she, you know, had promoted him to the DC operative and he ends up making his way back. And cause he'd been, he got the shit beat out of him and ends up back. It was at, bad. Yeah. And at first she's just like, no, we can't we can't take him anywhere. We can't take him to the hospital. We have to kill him. We have to, he can't live. He knows my face. And Cisco, good old little hacker boy, Cisco. He's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. And, and he he's was the one who works for the dark army. <laughs> exactly. And that his little, his little spiel of calling her out and being like, you're not, it was a little harsh, but she definitely needed to hear it. She definitely needed to be called out on because yeah. he says that she's not a leader. She's, you know, in over her head and just, yeah, calls her out on her bullshit. Like you can't be this cold and you can't let this happen. And what the fuck is wrong with you? So loved Cisco for that. And mm -hmm. it eventually, I think sinks in. Because they do take the kid to the hospital. The guy, not kid. He they take him to the hospital to the emergency room, and I like that they actually stuck around. Because even Cisco was like, "We don't have. We could have just dropped him off." And Darlene admits she's like, "No, we need to stay. I need to stay." And then admits that Cisco was right to say that she wasn't a leader and all that stuff. But still, that was probably ultimately the wrong decision for them, even if it was. Oh, absolutely. They don't know how wanted they are, though. So they don't know to. Right. But you got to wonder about that, though. Like, you are leading a domestic terrorist organization, for lack of a better term. Really, it, it really is. I mean, it meets the definition, right? You think you might need to be careful? And that was the thing, too, that got me. Like, okay, so the hacking thing, I understand. But Darlene seems so confident and capable and I mean sure specialization was malware that's that's a big deal in the first season and then in the second season it's like maybe she's not as good as we thought she was from a technical standpoint either because I mean Elliot knew to wipe his stuff constantly and he was even more under the radar than they were so you know I just like the naivety there was really surprising yeah, it really kind of makes you wonder. Maybe it was just it just the pressure of it all. Elliot's in jail. He he was sentenced for 18 months. Yeah. So she knew she had at most 18 months without Elliot and maybe just the pressure and trying to 
fulfill a plan that she knew nothing about other than the little bit that he had told her. Cause we did get a flashback scene right. uh, with her and Elliot, which I absolutely love. And mm-hmm. I think it's when she first came back to New York and Elliot, cause in season one, Elliot doesn't recognize Darlene, but in this scene, in this flashback scene, he does. It's just it's interesting, which is very interesting. And so she needs some, she just, she can't be alone. And she convinces Elliot to not do whatever he was going to do and to stay home and every, you know, stay in and watch that old cheesy horror movie where everyone's wearing those masks that they end up using for F society. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they share some, you know, they have some nice sibling moments and everything and come to find out that Elliot, I think, has the Mr. Robot jacket. I think they started talking about their dad and maybe someone had a dream. I don't remember the, I unfortunately don't remember the specifics of it, but they bust out the Mr. Robot jacket and she's like telling Elliot to put it on, put it on. And he does. And then he puts on the F Society kind of uh, anonymous, oh God, what's the, but he puts on the mask. And I didn't catch it the first time I watched it because I didn't know what to be looking for. But the way, so he puts on the jacket and the mask and the way he folds his arms and leans back on Elliot's desk and starts going into the plan of hacking E-Corp and erasing debt and even a little bit of what phase two needs to be. That was Mr. Robot. That was not Elliot. Elliot, his personalities slipped shifted I, I whatever the term is and i don't know why i just didn't catch it at first because by season two you know what the twist is you know that mr robot is elliot's alternate personality but for some reason it just it didn't click but obviously this time it did and i was like oh shit that's totally mr robot even his mannerisms a little bit were they mimicked christian slater's version of mr robot they did, yeah. And that's what I really love about this show. The attention to detail is phenomenal. Yes. Because then even in a later episode where we see, it might even be like the finale or towards the end, it's a little bit of a callback to season one with Tyrell in the car at the amusement park where in season one we see him talking to Mr. Robot uh, before the big reveal. Yeah. So in this season, I loved that they reenacted like redid that scene but with Elliot with Rami Malik instead of Christian Slater right kind of seeing and he did I thought a really good job now I haven't gone back and done a side-to-side comparison oh that'd be really fun to do we should totally do that but he he did a really good job and I think that also kind of shows kind of says like the subtle differences between Mr. Robot and Elliot and how they don't always know these characters, uh, Tyrell and Dark Army and White Rose, they don't know when it's, they don't always know when it's Elliot or Mr. Robot. Yeah. But you can start to tell, you know. You can, yeah. And that's, you know, and I think the, the show writers recognize that too, because they started messing with us. Is sometimes you see Elliot in his Mr. Robot personality, but not as Christian Slater. And it's like... Mm-hmm wait a second, what? (laughs) And I think especially starting with this season, we start to see a lot more of those, so to speak, slips. 
slip-ups um because there's just uh, fuck i lost it but yeah there's just you start oh yeah because there's a scene where he starts kind of glitching out in a sense elliot Mm. and kind of glitching back and forth between seeing elliot rami malik and seeing mr robot christian slater and i just i love how that was done and kind of gives you that that sense of the fuck is going on <laughs> this is a real split personality at this point, <laughs> yeah it starts off with him like talking to darlene and cisco in the living room and then he he's suddenly in the kitchen getting a drink out of the fridge or whatever but then he looks over back into the living room and mr robot mr robot's there yeah and it's just like he's not even present for his own conversations with people anymore it's like what are we missing <laughs> yep and in that scene too because yeah elliot's in the bathroom and then he hears mr robot talking to darlene and cisco and he opens the door and he sees the three of them standing there and i think at one point it's even mr robot that's like elliot what are you doing or something like that right either way at one point elliot and mr robot have that conversation where mr robot's like you just stopped responding you just stopped and basically Mr. Robot was had to pick up the slack so as to maybe squash any kind of suspicions. That's some more fuckies going on. Right. So Elliot's cracking too. And, you know, not surprising, prison failed. <laughs> yeah. And so one of the things that I really liked about this season was now that we know Elliot has DID, we start to see that play out a bit more. Yeah. Where we're seeing those that loss of time and the the blackouts and just kind of all of a sudden waking up and being somewhere else or not responding like in that scene and then just kind of being like figuring out what the fuck is going on um i need to take a bathroom break that's all right i was gonna suggest maybe we take a breather anyway so i can go get the kids before it gets too late okay 